0: Our Father, we come to you with boldness because you've asked us to, to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might find a great benefit in so doing. And here we are, Father, at your request. We're humbled, Father, to know that uh, you are sovereign over this world, and this, though this world has... Uh, Turned uh, each one uh, to themselves, their own interests, their own concerns, away from you, away from your glory, away from your standard of righteousness, and away from your word, Father. Nevertheless, uh, there are many, there are many uh, who you've called out, many whom you've justified and sanctified, and many, Father, who do uh, cleave. To you through your word. So, Father, we are so thankful for that and and that uh, many are gathered uh, often, such as we are here today, to receive at your hand uh, that was just most needful. Father, uh, we, we lift up before you our nation and its leaders. There are critical issues that stand before our people uh, in that uh, from time to time we have Elections and our governments are constituted, for the most part, out of those who are uh, elected, Father, and and yet uh, so many of our people seem to be so uh, thoroughly committed to evil and so entirely opposed to your word and its uh, reception. So, Father, I, I just commit our nation to you and our leaders on every level of our government, and I just pray, Father, that our nation would not turn even further from you in the next elections or in the time leading up to that. I pray for our Congress our our, uh, senators and representatives our uh, court system and for the executive branch for the administration currently uh, in that position of, of authority and Father I pray for our president and those that directly advise him I pray that he and they would take a strong stand against the evil that's so abundant in our land and that you would give them encouragement and strength and abilities and success. I pray, Father, that this culture of death through abortion and, uh, and other ways would, would be thwarted, would be turned back, would be... uh, uh affected greatly in a very positive and godly way, as you draw many to yourself, Father, in these days. And I do pray, Father, that uh, this culture of death would not be allowed to be promoted further, but instead be canceled once and for all. Father, I pray for those that are suffering in our group, and uh, some very seriously and greatly. Father, I pray for, for those that are in our meeting today that you would bring great blessing to us through your word. This is a very special word delivered to us uh, at the pen of the Apostle Paul, Father. And uh, may these words, which truly are Christ's words, uh, be a an encouragement, Father, that they might instruct us concerning how you are working today under grace. And may we be built up by them May this spiritual food be used to uh, build us up and give us a spiritual strength, Father, and and a bold testimony for you. And Father, I, I just look forward to our time now to gather here around your precious word and thank you for it and for each one who will hear it in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Lord willing, today we... We'll, uh, finish up what I intended to, uh, in this short three-part series on fullness. Now, we won't really finish it till next time when uh, I'll take this word fullness, Lord willing, and look at it a little more since it is a word that the Apostle Paul, uh, through the uh, choice of the Holy Spirit uses to instruct us in so many ways. Fullness is for Paul, one of the very most important words in his spiritual vocabulary and it very well uh, communicates the many dimensions of god's working under grace uh, today uh, in this dispensation of the grace of god in our meeting second uh, to last <clears throat> um we considered the fullness of the word of god given to paul for our edification uh, in the last meeting we we considered the fullness of the sufferings of christ given to paul for our example and today we will consider the fullness of christ's supply given to us for our empowering uh, this kind of Uh, sums up, therefore, the the three dimensions of uh, the fullness God is working out today and how, through Paul, uh, we are shown light on that work of God under grace and its fullness and uh, the special details of it which prove to be so important. And I pray that our understanding would be blessed by uh, this teaching today. I can say to you uh, as a personal testimony before we begin that there really isn't anything, let's just say, more edifying than to understand the details of how God is working today under grace, right? For believers, it's most critical that we have this teaching. And that's why Paul dwells on it so often in his letters, and uh we started out this three-part uh, study by looking at Colossians chapter 1, and it's really there in one of Paul's later letters, maybe one of his last other than the personal letter to Timothy, the second letter to Timothy. Uh, Paul wrote it while he was in prison, along with uh, the Ephesian letter. That's why Ephesians and Colossians are so similar, written probably at the same time, at the same place. concerning, for the most part, the same subjects. But in Colossians 1, uh, Paul makes some very uh, strong statements about how Christ had taught him, ministered to him, and gave him the very words that he is sharing with us in his letters, right? So uh, he does that uh, in these letters, and through them he reveals this sacred secret, which had been hidden, but is now through Paul's writings revealed, right? Uh, and there are a couple of key verses there. Colossians 1.27 uh, follows verse 26, where he says, But now this sacred secret, this mystery, is made known, made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory and so the riches of the glory of the mystery revealed through paul is christ in you gentiles the hope of glory that's a powerful teaching and everything else i've said the last couple of weeks and i will say today revolves around those words christ in you the hope of glory everything does okay uh, Paul goes on and, 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 and this will directly relate to our teaching today, where he says in verses 28 and 29, whom we preach. Well, who is the whom referring to? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus or or complete every man complete having reached the goal that god intended right through this teaching right the goal that god intends through this teaching is is a a a complete completed uh saint of god a completed believer and then he says in verse 29 using five different words for work or energy five different words in one verse i don't know of any other verse that has five there is some that have four here in this verse, five different words, whereunto. So, in reference to this ministry of making known uh, the riches of the glory of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, in reference to that, I labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. <laughs> what a statement. What a statement indeed. So, as we saw last time, uh through this completed word, that was uh, two times back, the completed word through Paul, uh, to complete the word of God or to fulfill it, if we translate the word that way, uh, saw that last uh, time before last. And then last time, we saw that Paul's teaching is clear in that he fulfilled the sufferings of Christ in his body. Now... <laughs> Uh, what is that all about? Uh I mentioned last time how this is not at all referring to any kind of atoning sacrifice. certainly Paul in no way uh was involved in that that atoning sacrifice was completed when Christ uh, offered himself up on Calvary's cross. but Paul does state very clearly here in uh Colossians one that there is a sense in which in his own life he filled up, he says, this is Colossians one twenty four, where he says, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind, or, or that which remains, of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So uh, as we saw from our Last uh, lesson here. Uh, Christ is the head of the body. This is a, a spiritual creation unique uh, to this dispensation. Uh, the Old Testament saints are not in this, uh, in this grouping. This is a heavenly organism uh, created by the Lord uh, with Christ as head and we believers as members of what's called the body of Christ, uh, something only revealed through Paul. No one else in the Bible ever mentioned the body of Christ. And they didn't, because it didn't relate to them, right? It relates to us, though, and it's very important for us to understand it. So, in the body, there's an intimate connection between the head and the members, and between the members and the head. When one suffers, the other suffers. It's a fundamental teaching uh, regarding the body that Paul writes about in his first letter to the corinthians right so the head and the members are intimately connected this is a real connection it's not a hope so thing or an imaginary thing or if only it could be they truly are connected right and it's an exalted truth to know we really need to know it and because of it paul is able to suffer together with christ and christ together with paul as a member of the body That was true for Paul, and it was his privilege, and he writes of himself and his sufferings uh, as being an example to us, right? An example to us. Why? Because we also are privileged to be part of the same suffering, right? Uh, And uh, Paul writes about that in a number of places. We looked at those places last time and saw how profoundly – Uh, this truth is stated and how so clearly it's stated. I'm just going to read a couple of verses for you from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is that great passage on consolation, the consolation or the encouragement of the Spirit, right? And this is what Paul writes. This uh, underscores the powerful teaching that we personally, meaning all of us, members of the body of christ are called into the realm of christ's ongoing suffering because he's connected to the body and therefore he suffers as the body suffers there's no getting around it that's just a fact if it were not the case think about the consequence of that if christ didn't truly enter into our suffering then how could he intercede on our behalf you know and yet he does, okay, so uh, in second Corinthians chapter one, verse five, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, that's Paul writing, so abound in him, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ, whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual or energized, which is energized in enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. So our sufferings are energized in the same way Paul's were, right? Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Salvation from what? From these trials that we undergo as, as the children of God, as the people of faith, as the members of Christ's body. And he says then in verse seven, and our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. Okay. It couldn't be clearly more clearly stated than this, right? So let's take to heart this great work of God in us today as he works in the hearts of his people. Uh, May we not forget that suffering for Christ's sake is our privilege and not a negative not a curse certainly it's a blessing to suffer for christ's sake that's why paul states that in so many places and as part of his great testimony for the lord of course right okay so that's uh what we've already considered now when we get to the end of of that section in colossians chapter one in that verse i just read a moment ago where the five different words for work or or energizing are found that's uh intended to set the stage then for us as we look at paul as our example in this kind of suffering you might not even have properly considered uh, before surely we all have known that believers are persecuted and that they suffer Right and there's no, nothing new about that. everybody knows that who knows anything about the true church of god right uh but what Paul is explaining here is the uh the working how the working of God is in all of us that we might be able to enter into these trials and these uh, tribulations and these sufferings with joy with confidence with hope and uh and, and never, never with in, any kind of, uh, negative reaction, but only a, an openness uh, to God and how He wants to work in us even this day and this hour, right? Okay. So today we consider the third part of this, the fullness of Christ's supply given to us for our empowering. Okay. So this is something we need to learn. How is God working in order to meet our needs, not our wants, but our needs as we go through our lives here in this world that's so dark, so contrary to the Lord. Um, This is far beyond our human experience to understand this. We need the revelation of God. Our key scripture will be in Philippians chapter 1. I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. I could give a testimony regarding this verse, but I'll leave that for now. But <clears throat> clearly, this is the most amazing statement, indeed, uh, of the Apostle Paul's here. Uh, the background of this is that he was in uh, in prison, and uh, and while he was there various things were happening he was in rome okay and uh, the saints were in some cases being led astray by by those that were trying to harm paul's testimony and others were supportive of paul and there was sort of a uh controversy going there uh because they didn't expect i guess paul would end up in in prison like this but but he was and uh they were discouraged, but he wasn't. <laughs> and that was the whole purpose of this statement here in this letter that he wrote to them. And, uh, so when he talks about salvation and so forth and so on, he's, he's writing in reference to that imprisonment and, uh, the way that the Lord is working through all of that. Okay. So by salvation, don't, don't assume when you see the word, it's talking about our eternal salvation from sin and from hell and so forth There's nothing to do with that in some places. Like here, for example, it's about a different kind of deliverance. In fact, if you just substitute the word deliverance and then think about what kind of deliverance it is that the context is referring to. You won't be led astray when you see the word. Um needs to be taken in context always. Everything does, really, or we cannot understand it, right? Okay, so... This is the most amazing statement. I don't know, <clears throat> I hope, I hope that when I read it, and you heard it read, and perhaps read it in your own uh Bibles there, that your spirit was moved by it, drawn by it. Uh, do you have a passion to comprehend it in all of its dimensions? I hope so. I pray so, that that would be the effect of reading the scripture, because you'll not find anywhere a statement quite like this, although there are others that relate to it directly, and we're going to be considering them today. Uh, Other scriptures that relate directly to what Paul wrote there in Philippians 1 and that are essential, really, for understanding it completely. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15. We'll look at Romans 8. We'll look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and also chapter 1. And then end up today with Philippians chapter 1 and these verses I just read. First of all, then, as we look at 1 Corinthians 15, I'll ask Linda to read 1 Corinthians 15, verses 42 through 49. And and what we'll see there is that newness of life is ours through Christ's resurrection. Okay? And... uh well, we'll have to take that at God's word because it's the most amazing thing, but very, very true and fundamental to understanding what God is doing today under grace. So, Linda, please read for us. This passage is about resurrection, but I'll, I'll give you some insights in a moment as to how it's to be applied in this case to the subject at hand here. So, Linda, please read verses 42 through 49.
1: So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, and it, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. And there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. How be it, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly, the second man is of the Lord from heaven. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly, and as it is heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly.
0: Thank you, Linda. Thank you so much. Uh, The last verse, of course, speaking of our ultimate resurrection or translation, Uh, many hold that uh, we're in the image of God, men are created in the image of God, of course it's not exactly right, it was true at the beginning, but that image was lost and will be regained, of course, when we are resurrected or translated into heaven, and that's what Paul writes here. but, um, there's a statement made there in verse 45. Don't, don't uh, ever forget verse 45. Maybe you haven't looked at it before or thought about it, but, um, it has a profound teaching in it that we need to understand. It says, so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, a quickening spirit. Or the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. That's talking about the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? When Christ was raised from the dead, therefore, says here, uh, he was made a quickening spirit. Now, you will, uh, I'm sure, uh, understand it in its context well. If you just consider uh, what's written next, it talks about the body that's raised. And it says here, uh, it was raised as a spiritual body okay so when christ was raised from the dead his body was spiritual does that mean it wasn't physical well (laughs) it was physical and spiritual but in a way that had never been seen before upon this earth he could still move through walls go from one place to another but they could reach out and touch him right remember thomas okay was encouraged uh, finally to do so, but he didn't, right? He demanded it, and the Lord uh, graciously allowed it. But uh, he was not bold enough, it seems, to actually touch uh, the wounds in Christ's side or in his hands, right? So Christ was raised uh, with a spiritual uh, a body, and as, as it says here, a quickening spirit, or a life-giving spirit. Okay, that's very important to know, because Paul is now going to base uh everything else he writes about the subject on that. Christ is today, he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, but he is a spiritual being, and and is therefore able to share his spirit with us and that's the profound teaching uh that is taught very clearly in the next section of scripture i'd like us to look at again um be- because of a failure generally speaking to take these scriptures to heart and to take god at his word It's easy to miss the the full import, the full meaning of them. But Romans 8, verses 9 and 10 gives us this teaching that Christ's resurrection life has been shared with us through his indwelling. (laughs) That's a powerful word, isn't it? So, Lisa, please read about the indwelling of Christ in every believer today from Romans chapter 8, verses 9 and 10.
1: But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness.
0: Okay. Thank you, Lisa. Now, remember back in Colossians 1, Christ in you the hope of glory, the riches of the glory of the mystery, right? Christ in you. So here Paul says it again. Uh, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And then if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Don't assume that every time you see the word spirit, it's referring to the Holy Spirit. Is not true. Sometimes, in fact, many times, most of the time, the word uh, spirit is referring to the Holy Spirit, but not in every case. And here, here's a good uh, couple of verses uh, to that effect, right? So, yes, the Holy Spirit indwells all of us. He shall never leave us, right? Uh, every believer possesses the Holy Spirit's indwelling, but also the indwelling of our lord jesus christ now it doesn't take any uh kind of thought process to immediately start drawing conclusions and asking questions of the lord you know what is the full meaning of this what's the depth of this teaching and what difference does it make indeed it must make a great difference but uh what difference specifically does it make that we have christ Dwelling in us, and he summarizes that uh, the answer to that question there when he says, "The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. That's really a restatement of what Paul wrote, at least that's <clears throat> sort of the other side of the coin of what what Paul wrote in romans four twenty five where he writes concerning Christ and his resurrection, who was delivered for our offences and was raised again for our justification. You see the parallel is perfect between Romans four twenty five and uh, Romans eight uh, ten. <clears throat> so really what this is saying is that Christ's righteousness and that that is specific not not his holiness, talking about Christ Christ's righteousness in dying For our sins and completely paying the penalty for them that righteousness is imputed to every every believer okay every believer has the as a possession as a permanent possession the very righteousness of christ okay that doesn't mean you're sinless or or could ever become such there's no perfection teaching here this is talking about positional truth, right? We, we, are, God sees us as righteousness with the very righteousness of Christ because all of our sins have been placed upon Him, right? And fully paid for. Therefore, we stand before God, uh, perfect in that sense. We are righteous in the Lord Jesus, right? And because of that, we've been granted newness of life. Through Christ's indwelling, okay, Paul writes about newness of life in Romans chapter uh, six and verse four. Right, you know that scripture well, I'm sure. Well, all of this proves to be essential to this teaching that we will uh, be in, entering into fully and enjoying today. I hope, because if we possess the life of Christ, and if He's still suffering today because He's connected to the body, right? Then we also have the privilege of suffering together with Him for His sake. I and mean, that's the whole, uh, essence of this teaching today. This real connection that exists because not only is Christ the head of the body in some kind of, uh, theological sense, He's, He's really connected to us. We even, in fact, share His life, His spirit even, indwells us right and uh, for that reason when we suffer he suffers in a profound way that leads us to the third part here of our lesson for today which is the manifestation of christ in us invites our suffering with him it invites our suffering with him the manifestation of christ in us okay this is talking about how can this life of christ that dwells within us be revealed how can it be manifested how can it be revealed to others and the answer is given in two different scriptures first of all paul talks about himself as the example and secondly he he, uh, writes about us specifically right and we already know these scriptures but i'd like us to read them again and so ben i'd like you to read for us second corinthians chapter 4 verses 8 through 12 and as ben reads these words please open your hearts and allow them to draw you into a special special and a privileged relationship to our lord jesus ben please read for us
2: we are troubled on every side but not distressed we are perplexed but not in despair Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed, always bearing out in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you.
0: Okay, Thank you, uh, Ben. And Daniel, I'll ask you to read in 2 Corinthians just a moment, just a moment. But before we read that, uh, let's not uh, miss what he's saying here. Uh, Paul is saying, in my life I've uh, demonstrated this, that I'm always being delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. And then he says what the purpose of that is. The purpose of that being delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, and as he said in the previous verse, bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, right? The purpose is, verse 10, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest or displayed in our body, and secondly, again, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh, okay? So, There is a display. We're talking on the spiritual plane right now, okay? We're not talking about some kind of signs and wonders and healings and this kind of thing. We're talking about how God spiritually communicates through us, the Lord Jesus, and his new life, how it can be done. It's done because as we enter into these various trials of life, right, we, we then uh, bring forth through the resurrection life that lives within us, that dwells within us, this new quality, this this newness of life, and that is uh, then displayed. It is then manifested uh, here in our lives today, right? Okay? So he's able to say, death works in us, but life in you. And that communicates. so So Paul says, when I... Demonstrate uh, to all this new life in Christ. I do it as I've been brought into the realm of His death and then out of that death into the realm of His resurrection. And He says that communicates. It's a real, it's a rea- reality uh which communicates to others. And He says specifically to you. Okay, so uh, that's the way. That section ends. Now the you part, that's us, okay, the members of the body. So let's uh, uh consider that from Second Corinthians. I read these verses early but earlier, but Daniel, please read for us Second Corinthians chapter one, verses three through seven it shows us our part in all of this.
2: Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Who comfort us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consultation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, afflicted it is for your consultation and salvation which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consultation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consultation.
0: Okay, thank you you so much, Daniel. Uh, yeah, and, it's
2: consolation. Uh,
0: consolation, okay. Yeah, consolation. I didn't see a team that went back. Okay. That's fine. Consolation, right. Okay, so now we've reached the depth <clears throat> of this teaching here, and we've come sort of full circle from understanding that when Christ was raised from the dead, he was raised as a life-giving spirit okay therefore able to be shared with all of the believers that god would by grace draw into the sphere of his glory right Uh, by adding them to the body directly connected to christ who is the head right okay so this sort of covers the whole realm of this teaching so we are in a position today where we have this great privilege to be so closely and so intimately and so really connected to the Lord Jesus in his resurrection, right, that we also may suffer as he suffers, okay? And as we are then enabled, he says it's powerful, it's effectual, right? As we are enabled to endure these sufferings, then the life of Christ is what's revealed, and that's to be shared with others. And one way it's shared is by comfort, by consolation, okay? When you console another as they are suffering in this life, right, you are able to share the very comfort that Christ has shared with you. That's the the power of this and the, the, uh, the glory of it. So let's go on to the fourth part here, which is that this is all uh, a working of God under grace that gives us great hope and expectation. I mean, why was it that Paul was not terribly depressed when he was thrown into prison? After all, it, it cut off his ministry. I mean, he's no longer going to be on any missionary journeys. It's the end of that. He's in prison, right? Uh, uh his opportunity to speak boldly is gone, at least for the most part, right? Maybe he has a meeting with Caesar, maybe not, right? But uh, you would think that Paul would feel like all was lost, right? In fact, many missionaries go into the foreign field and after years uh, in the foreign field, they return home totally despondent and really destroyed by the whole process because they did not see the fruit that they had expected they would receive. And so they believe that they have failed. And therefore, God has not worked. But that is not the case. Okay, Uh, Paul, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, states it as it truly is, which is quite contrary. This is entirely on the realm of of God's working under the fullness of grace now, that Paul writes us, this, this should surely, uh, <laughs> encourage you and, uh, strengthen you and, and really bring a fire into your bones, I, I would hope, uh, because it so clearly displays the power of God's working in us today under grace. And, uh, so, uh, Charlie, please read there, Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21 for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the
2: supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness as always so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body whether it be by life or by death for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain
0: okay thank you Charlie so the circumstances of our lives are not what they seem to be, right? Without this revelation, you you would not know what God was actually doing, however, right? Uh, you would not know the full scope of it, uh, every dimension of it apart from this revelation. Paul here has an absolute kind of of uh conviction uh He's been persuaded. He uses that word in another another place or two, right? He's been persuaded by the Lord's ministry to him. And uh, he gives us these words so that we'll be persuaded of the same. He says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that maybe I'll be... uh what, ashamed or not, can, or or, or uh, in a negative state of mind regarding what the Lord has done through my ministry? Uh, no, not that at all, but rather uh, he has an earnest expectation and hope that in nothing, he says, in nothing I shall be ashamed, right? But with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, right? Uh, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Well, Paul had just stated that, uh, contrary to what many had thought, Paul's imprisonment had resulted in the greatest blessing of all. He's, he gives a list of that in the earlier verses there in Philippians 1. And even in Caesar's household... there are now believers who are testifying. By the way, the fact is that they were cast out of Caesar's household and had to live in the catacombs. I'm talking about members of Caesar's household. Living underground in Rome because of persecution, right? All because Paul's testimony was effective, in fact, right? Was there a great revival in Rome? Hardly, right? But God was calling out of death into life through the precious word of the gospel those that uh, he had intended. Okay, so Paul can surely say, he says, uh, that he's greatly encouraged, even though he's now in prison and even though... Perhaps uh, death will soon come. I don't believe it did. I believe, uh, in fact, Paul was released from prison this time, only to be imprisoned a later time, and he did not uh, leave the prison that time, except through martyrdom, right? But however it was for him, he was confident. So Paul had a constant expectation of God's glory being revealed in and through Him, He was not living in discouragement. Now, we read another verse earlier about this, right? But rather in joy, enjoying the Lord as the Lord was working, and it was all because of what He calls here a supply. You see, there in uh, in that verse uh, 19, the supply of the Spirit of Jesus christ okay so it is the sin dwelling uh, spirit of christ that every believer possesses that provides therefore for your encouragement in these circumstances of life right uh, the lord's so connected to you he gives you this privilege of suffering for him that the life may be manifested the new life may be manifested now, there's another verse uh, we could have added that to the reading list, but uh, uh I didn't just to save time in Colossians chapter two verse nineteen Paul's writing about the head and the body and the connection between the head and the body, right Here, the head being the Lord Jesus, the body being made up of we all of us believers, right he says and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of god there's a great growth there's a maturing process uh, as nourishment is ministered to us uh, through this wonderful and real relationship that we have with the lord jesus christ right Uh, as you hold fast the head okay so the privilege is there that when we suffer we don't suffer like uh someone else who's uh unrelated to god is not possessed of the glory of god and uh, the life of christ and full redemption we suffer in a different way altogether than those who are uh still in the world and lost uh, in their sin and trespass right why because of the constant available supply of the spirit of christ wow this is a wonderful thing Uh, so newness of life is ours through christ's resurrection christ's resurrection life has been shared with us through his indwelling the manifestation of christ in us invites our suffering with him and our hope and expectation should always be To magnify Christ in our bodies, whether by life or, or by death, right? So we should be able to say and to proclaim, in fact, to testify boldly for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Amen and amen. Uh, (laughs) what is God doing today then? Well, has he answered that question? I think Paul has answered that question well. What is our empire can we get that word right? What is our empowering for this life? It is the indwelling Christ, okay? He shared his resurrection life with us. This is unique for this working of God under the dispensation of grace, and by this we're delivered to death for Jesus' sake, but then enabled with newness of life to enjoy him throughout our trials so let me just ask you the question are you enjoying him as he works out through you the administration of life and what are the countless blessings associated with this right well all of us are living a life and uh have this same privilege right and that is to honor and glorify our Lord Jesus Christ whatever our circumstances and praise the Lord for that well i hope and pray that this uh teaching has been a blessing to you today certainly uh these verses are not only interesting in fact i would say they're Profoundly challenging and uh, a blessing, a blessing indeed, for they bring to us this revelation of how God is working today. Right? He's working in human hearts. And the end result of that working is that he dwells in human hearts, not in a temple made with hands somewhere but in our hearts. Praise the Lord for that. Oh, any, any testimonies or comments today, or questions even, before we go to the Lord in prayer?
2: Just to open our eyes and to be able to see the truth, uh, we may not know that as we're going through the trials, what the trials bring, but when we have that um, ability to stand with Christ, we're right. able to share that with others and help them and that's growth, and that's life, and that's that life living in us. It's it's just great.
0: Amen, amen. Charlie, thank you so much for that, uh, and to just know, and to be persuaded, right, <clears throat> that whether it's through life or death, right, for us to live is Christ. Indeed, amen, amen. Any other comments?
2: Yeah, the, the connection between the head and the body was made so much clearer. It just um it that's very helpful and very powerful to know.
0: Amen. Thanks, Steve. It is help, so helpful, really. It's not just an abstract doctrine that doesn't have any consequences, right? <clears throat> Amen. Any other comments?
1: Uh Jim, I was gonna say that in Philippians one twenty, um that the, the verse just kind of jumped out at me that in nothing I shall be ashamed. That that is really uh, a phrase uh you see that in the in the scripture that um it's almost hard for me to believe who is so sinful um that in nothing I shall be ashamed
0: um and,
1: that, that is good news,
0: and it's true because Christ really has paid the full penalty, and you really do possess the righteousness of christ amen mm-hmm. <clears throat> amen, okay uh. At the judgment seat of Christ, then, in a, in a moment, uh, all that stuff will be taken out of the way and, and never <laughs> never <laughs> brought to any mind again, right? Uh, and uh, so so it is, right? It's not, not that we're going to be suffering through it at all, but, uh, in fact, Paul writes about that in another place, right? Maybe another time we'll... Uh, Father God, thank you. The power of these words, Father, is striking our spirits as we consider them today. I pray, Father, that that, that uh, uh, ministry of yours to our spirits would be powerful, would transform us further, would be truly spiritual food for us, because uh living in this world that's so compromised in so many ways, Father, uh, has nevertheless given us this opportunity. Yes, our bodies are failing. Paul even says death reigns there, right? Uh, we are the children of Adam. Uh, The consequence of that is uh, visible on every side. It's something we experience, uh, and uh, no question about that. But, Father, that you've given us this profound hope for the future, and we do, Father, uh, have confident, earnest expectation and hope concerning uh, your great work in and through us and its consequence, Father, in the lives of others, so Father may we never think that uh, our lives are are uh, cut off separate from others but rather an integral part of what you were doing today under grace Father may our connection with Christ the real reality of that be constantly impressed upon us uh, may you continue to remind us of who we are in in Christ Jesus and who he is uh, in us uh, day by day and hour by hour thank you for our gathering today father and may you be honored and blessed by us now as we go forth bearing your mark uh, to show uh, you and our new life in christ to others we would ask this in christ's name father and amen